welcome into episode 62 of Poke the Bear, the Milan Lucic episode, the OG number 62, Milan Lucic. Uh, most recently, Oscar Steen. Oscar Steen's another. Uh, but I am Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan of Boston Sports. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you were one of the reporters shouted out in that uh, Bruins promo video of Welcome Back. Uh, so congratulations! You've thank, ma- you. You thank you. You officially made it. You're on the team. Some now. some, some very good some very good poker faces from them to, for uh you know showing how excited they were to have us back in the room. But good to be back at Warrior. Uh, you know, nonetheless, even though it was it was a tough day for me, really excited they got over to Warrior. You know, tweet out lines again. I know people are clamoring for that, and I botched it, man. I ruined it. I I, I may not I I'm not gonna show my face like tomorrow or like the rest of the season. You I mean, you you, ba- you basically pulled a Seahawks. You you threw an interception at the one yard line. I did. I, I tweeted out second line people. It's uh you know it's a topic that I'm sure we're gonna talk about over the next couple weeks. People want to know who's on that second line. Taylor Hall, Jackson Nico was there. Interesting. And then who else? Craig Sith. Craig Sith. Craig. <laughs> sell the t-shirts sell the t-shirts and the worst thing now is when you tweet out something like that you know you're not even paying attention once you you fire that off into the void you're on to the next thing right i just look and check my twitter and i'm just inundated with just terrible gifs of like the uh, the old emperor from star wars got these like this wrinkled dude on my on my on my screen (sighs) i don't want that and it's distracting me for the first day of camp so all on me, falls on me, rough first day, shake the rust off and go from there. But, you know, we'll see what tomorrow brings. Hopefully not any more typos. And sorry to Craig Craig Sith for, for disrupting his name. It's also training camp for you reporters as well. I think it needs yes. to be talked about that it's it's your training camp too. It's for you to kind of shake, as you said, shake the rust off and kind of get the cobwebs out. You know, you can't, now you better do it now. now. You know. Better, Better do, do it now, now than in the playoffs. Game you don't one. want you don't want you know Craig Smith scoring a, a goal in Game Seven of the Cup to win it. You tweet out Craig Sith wins it. Like, oh, you're you, not living you, that down. You don't want you, that. You, you lose oh, the sorry. verification. You're fired from every job you don't. Yeah, you don't even no. have. I mean, you are yeah. done. No, I'm out. you're done. Yeah. Oh I, no, that's I, my biggest. George Lucas. I mean, but that's it. I don't yeah. Want to work for George Lucas. You get a Star Wars sponsorship. That's it. That that'll no, keep yeah. you afloat. But yes, no, a, a fun uh, typo there. Uh, there are many. It's funny. I I always try to take pride, and you probably do the same thing with tweets, is I always try to read it before I tweet it and make sure there's no typos or grammatical issues. Uh, and there was uh, – I think it was uh, Anders Bjork last year. I tweeted something during the summer, and I did Andres Bjork instead, instead of Anders. And, of course, you, Marissa – Many others got on me for it, and I'm sitting there. Uh, I was—I remember I was in line returning something at Target, and just being like, at "That point, you just got to take the L, right? When in doubt, just take the L. Take the take it right off the chin. There's just nothing you can do at that point. Um, so we want to talk first about overreactions from day one lines. Obviously, Craig Sith being on that second line, big overreaction. Um, but I think for most, I mean, for the most part, there weren't a ton of surprises. With the lines, I mean, we, the third line was kind of what people have been saying. Uh, DeBrus, Kala, Felino, obviously the second line, Halston, Nika, Smith, Coils in a red non-contact jersey. Uh, first line's what it is. But I think the one area where I think you're going to see the most debate over, or there's actually an area where there might be some more debate over that we'll get to later in the show, but 
one area where there will be debate over is who should be with McAvoy on that first pairing. And today it was Derek Forbert, right? Yeah, it was Derek Forbert and uh, Matt Grizzlick was with Connor Clifton. So again, stuff that we've kind of mapped out before. And I think maybe an interesting comment that Bruce Cassidy said after uh, after practice on Wednesday was he more or less said they, they, they know kind of where the lineup is, you know, as much as we've talked all off season, maybe just the fact that we've had a long off season, not a lot going on for a while that we, we've talked about a lot of these different lineup decisions and where guys fit in. Seems like for them, it's more or less that they know where the pieces are. It's just about, you know, whether, you know, they can execute the plan they already have mapped out because who knows what happens, right? I mean, they could have gone into the season expecting Coyle at 2C, Eric Howell at 3C, and, you know, we'll see what Stanika does. That could all get flipped on its head if, you know, we're two weeks down the road and uh, Jack Stanika has like six points in, in three, you know, preseason games and looks fantastic, right? Like a lot can change between now and then, but from what, uh, you know, Cassie said today about how the fact they already have a plan kind of mapped out and what we've seen so far, really not any changes. And I, I think we're probably not going to see any drastic kind of switcheroos or, or anything kind of going against the grain until maybe we get to actual exhibition games. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Fulbert and McAvoy stay together for most of these early practices. Like, we'll see what happens when, let's say, McAvoy, Fulbert, and and Grizzlick are all you know playing on the same same game together. Maybe they switch them around, but I don't see a lot of like you know toggling during practices. Because also, let's be fair, the Bruins kind of more or less know what they have with McAvoy and Grizzlick. Like it's still a very good pairing, and they'll probably still use it when they're down a goal or, or need a little bit of offense. But I think it's better to see what maybe you have right now and a different look there, and whether that's. The third line with, you know, Felino and Howell there and how maybe they work with a guy like DeBrusque. Like it's, we really haven't seen anything so far that, that, that would be very drastic in terms of what they're looking at. So we'll see. Maybe we get to day two of camp and Felino's on the fourth line, Sonica's 3C, and it's all flipped around. But from what Bruce Cassidy kind of mentioned today, it seems like they already have kind of the framework in place. It's just about putting them into an on-ice game setting or, or practices battle drills and just seeing how it, it maps out. Because it seems like they already have kind of the script of how they want things to go. Yeah, I was just say that it feels like the lineup is somewhat set. Another thing I keep going back to is when people ask me my opinion on certain lines, I keep going back to one word, interested. I'm interested to see how this pans out because we don't really know. Like, again, we know that the line is going to be probably DeBrusque, Hall, Felino. But we don't know how they're actually going to do. It's going to be interesting to see. Forbert and McAvoy, you know, uh, we know how Grizzlick and McAvoy can be. We're interested in how Forbert and McAvoy can do because we don't really know what to go off of with that. Forbert, this is a position he's never been in. Forbert's never been uh, a top two or top four defenseman before uh, or playing with someone as good as Charlie McAvoy. So I think w- with this stuff, it's some question marks, but I feel like it's almost good question marks. Like, it's not like, oh, this this could be really bad. Now, because again, even forward McAvoy don't work out, you still have Grizzlick right there uh, yeah. to play with McAvoy, and you know you're going to be fine. But I do think that forward McAvoy pairing is going to be the interesting one to watch because you know Riley and Carlo are going to be the ones that are together probably on that second pairing, uh, most likely. And then, you know, whoever doesn't play with McAvoy will play with Clifton. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. For the fourth line, what did you see out there as the fourth line? Yeah, for right now, it seems based on, in terms of personnel and you're mapping out kind of who they are, are placing together, it seems like the first look right now would probably be Frederick left wing, no stick down the middle, 
and Curtis Lazar on the right side, which I think more or less falls in line with what we were kind of thinking in terms of potential fit. Obviously, I think Chris Wagner's in that mix as well, um, but he was he was with a different group. He was in session two on uh, on Wednesday, but not really that many surprises in terms of, of what you see there. I mean, we imagine that, you know, you probably could have flip-flopped between Nosik or Frederick for playing down the middle, but uh, I think if you identify and sign a guy like Nosik in free agency, you're hoping for him to drive play a little bit. And you can see how he kind of fits on that fourth line and whether that identity, that fourth line changes a little bit. Because for years now, we've seen how Bruce Cassidy likes to deploy that fourth line where it's a lot of, you know, uh, D zone stats, you know, a hard nose checking group, you know, top six matchups. They kind of probably fed to the wolves a little bit harsh, but, you know, they're definitely a, a team, a, one that's supposed to kind of take and absorb some punches out there. You had a guy like Nosek who's a little bit more offensively gifted. You know, you still have a, a guy who can throw his weight around in Frederick, but maybe that line changes into more of just, you know, a, a fast pace, more checking unit group or, or what have you. Like that, that line could change and, who knows, maybe Wagner makes another push with the fact they've got all this other depth and, and competition in that spot. So I think the fourth line is probably the one to keep an eye on in terms of how that personnel changes because I think as much as they want, you know, I, as much as I think they like what Lazar brought last year, I think they like what Nosek will bring this team and they hope that Frederick will take another big step forward and be an impact player, not just a guy that drops the gloves and irritates, you know, the, the bejesus out of teams. Like you want more offensive production, which they hope they can get from him. Uh, you know, it's not set in stone, right? Like if Frederick hits a, hits a wall or he's hasn't taken a, a step forward in his offensive game, you've got plenty of other guys in the mix that can step up there. Yeah. And I also think offensively, Curtis Lazar is not known to be someone super offensive. So that's another guy where, and we'll get to this one as well is a long, is the log jam on that third and fourth line. Maybe, maybe mainly the fourth line. Is that a bad thing? I think it's kind of a good thing in a sense. Um, because again, Curtis Lazar is not the most offensive player in the world. Nosek is more offensive probably than defensive. Frederick, again, you, as you said, they're hoping to get more out of. Maybe Lazar doesn't fit with those two and Wagner plays better, um, on their right side. Or maybe it's a Carson Kuhlman or you don't, I mean, there are guys who are a little more offensive that could fit better with maybe Nosek. Uh, and, and and Frederick or or whoever maybe they want to have a defensive line maybe you're gonna have Lazar out there uh, and, and some others so that's a line where I think you're gonna see a lot of change on um, and that could also be a line that it depends on who the, oppo- the the opposition is you know if you're playing a big heavy team you know you might throw Frederick and Wagner and Lazar out there uh, if it's a team where you don't need that size and and physicality it's you know Nosek and and Kuhlman and and, and maybe even Frederick if his offensive game uh, continues to grow. So the fourth line is, as you said, again, interesting to watch. It goes back to interesting. Everything's everything's yes. interesting, especially in training camp. It's funny. Last year, I don't remember. I, I think last year, um, we did kind of, the 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 big storyline of last training camp. If I remember right, was like who was the left? What was the left side going to be like on defense? Which is still kind of that. Uh, and then the others were. I mean, we knew. Well, we didn't really know who was going to be the right side of Krejci. Craig Smith was going to be down with Charlie Coyle. Mm-hmm. Nick Ritchie would be on the left. DeBrusque would you be know, up on. Stadnika was going to make a push. Yep, Stadnika, that was the thing because um, Pasternak was going to be out to start the year. I, I mean, I think if you want to compare like this current camp to last year, I think last year maybe even had more risk involved. Where I think last year was a lot of, you know, we're placing a lot of our faith in this next 
wave of young talent, whether that's Danico or Jeremy Lozon or Jacob, uh, Jacob Zaboral, guys like that. And, you know, sooner or later, we have to find out what we have in these guys. We think they can fare well in the NHL. We think they can supplement the talent we already have. So let's give them a try. This year is a little bit different where it's maybe not as risky, but still intriguing where instead of, you know, placing your faith on some of these, you know, guys like uh, a Vakanine or Zaboral, you're, signing instead veteran proven guys. Now, are they world beaters? Are they game changers? You know, it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen how Nick Foligno can fare in this new role, whether Eric Howell, I don't think he's going to be what he was his first year in Vegas, but how effective can he be on the third line? You know, how is Nosek do maybe a different role? How is, you know, is Derek Fulbert going to be like a, you know, develop into like a Seidenberg, like, you know, top pairing shutdown guy, like kind of out out of nowhere and, and develop into that? Or is it, He's another like, you know, placeholder guy who maybe is still better suited for like a third pairing role. So I think both were very intriguing. This one I think is it I think the the floor is a lot easier to chart and it's a little bit safer as opposed to last year where I mean you could you could map out last year what kind of did the Bruins in. One of them had to have been the fact that I think placing the faith in a lot of those guys didn't pan out because when we saw when injuries hit and you didn't even have guys like Zaboral or or those guys in those, you know, pivotal moments in the playoffs, it was kind of more or less an indictment on what you thought. You've got veterans helping out this time, but still it remains to be seen where exactly those pieces fit right now until we see them in a game setting, I think. What they did last year on the left side on defense was what you would say the opposite of a safe bet. But, but when it comes to a safe bet, there's only one place for that. Evan, you are correct. So listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back. The Red Sox are trying to knock out the Yankees in a couple of days. The Boston Bruins are back at Warrior. Celtics are almost back, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book, for over 25 years, 25 years. These guys have been in the business for a long time and they know their stuff. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity and you need to know that you're gonna get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live bets, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So join now. Check out the multiple offers they have on the table, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit when you use promo code BSJ. That's promo code BSJ. 200%. Evan. No one beats that. Didn't someone come out of the brush? Today, you were at Warrior, and someone jumped out of a bush outside the practice arena and just screamed it at you, and you were were stunned by it. And then on traffic on the way in... Uh, on the pike, someone got out of their car in traffic and came up to the window, knocked on it, and said, "Connor, Connor, nobody beats that." And then they just ran down the highway. They, they and the, yeah, they didn't get back in their car. It was really odd. And it, I, actually, I was kind of kind of frazzled because it held up traffic quite a bit. He didn't even say it had to do with with Bet US. Even it was just, no one beats that. Nobody beats but that. I, I don't know. I, I I'll say for this Adri, I assume that's what he was talking about. So thank you for getting out of your car and repping Bet US, sir. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, I bet 
at BetUS, and so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Again, enter promo code BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com for a special 200% in bonuses. BetUS.com, where the game begins. Where the game begins. That car is still on the pike, by the way. They have yet to yeah, move. It's still there. Car uh, is yeah, still I, saw, I, saw, I, I saw it on the way back. So Yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. People are just, you know, people, now that they're going back to work, they don't know how to act. It's incredible. Um, or maybe, so he, maybe we, he got a, you never know. Maybe he got a really good bonus on BetUS.com. Oh, yeah. He just gets a new car. And yeah. Because it, of it. I mean, yeah, valid, valid who point. needs it? Yeah. Valid point. He's, you know, maybe he's charitable and he's giving the car to someone. Basically, saying it's a nice way to give the it's car. It's a very odd way of doing it, just leaving the car. Like you would think maybe he'd put like a sticky note on it, but what yeah. are you gonna do? Oh, but you know what? People get more creative. You know, maybe it's, it's just true. It's, some, it's, it's some true. chess while we play checkers. Um. Well anyways, said. the day we record this is September twenty third, uh, which is a Thursday. You'll hear this on a Friday or whenever you hear this, but we record this on the twenty third, which means do you know what twenty years ago today was? 20 years ago today, Mo Lewis took out Drew Bledsoe and uh, basically paved the way for the Patriots dynasty. Tom Brady came in, rest is history. Everybody has heard the story at least seven zillion times, and Tom Brady will tell it seven zillion times more. Um, anyways, today, first day or, or uh, well, Thursday was the kind of the first day of in-person training camp for, for reporters to see. And... Um, Charlie Coyle was was out with a red non-contact jersey. He wasn't taken out by anybody. He's recovering from knee surgery. Mo Lewis didn't hit him, no. <laughs> Mo Lewis didn't hit Charlie Coyle. He's like, the new, Bernard, he's, he's like the new Bernard Pollard, just like goes around, just like <laughs> the different sports now. Mo Lewis runs on the ice at uh, at, yes. at Warrior and just decks Charlie Coyle as he's doing like a, as a warm-up drill, you know, and just drills his head into the ice. But... Uh, Jack Sanika is kind of channeling his inner Tom Brady. It's his chance to channel his inner Tom Brady because he's, he's taking reps on the second line while Coyle's injured. And that's sort of where we, you know, everyone's projected Sanika to be a top six forward in this league. So maybe 20 years from now, we will say, Hey, today was the first day that the goat, maybe Jack Sanika will become better than Wayne Gretzky. You know, maybe this is he's the new goat. It'll be Stadnika versus Gretzky, just like Brady versus Montana. We're gonna clip. We're gonna clip this video, right? This is the one we're gonna tweet out. Is you just <laughs> this look is without any context? Yeah, <laughs> this is the one. Um, maybe that guy from Ohio named Joe said I was an idiot, had a point. Um, but anyways, Stadnika is taking reps on the second line, and it's tough because Coyle's paid the second line center money. He's the guy that Cassidy has tabbed as the second line center, at least to begin the year. I think we both are in agreement that he should get at least a 15 game shot at this playing with Hall and, and, and Smith. And I've, you know, I've said that I expect this to be a really good year for Coyle. But is there a chance that Nika plays so well in training camp that they say, Hey, we got to go with Stadnika? Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably lofty, if not maybe unrealistic to say like, based on what we see in the next week, you know, and Sanika puts together a really strong camp that it's going to, he's going to leapfrog coil at two C. But I think what you could see being somewhat more realistic is Sanika puts together a really, really strong camp, really pops in preseason action. And, you know, who knows, maybe it gets to the point where they want to see how maybe he is at three C and it's a good problem to have. If, you know, let's say the third line is Debrusta, Nika and, Howla and you bump a guy like Felino down again, you're adding more guys to that kind of mix on the fourth line, but good problem to have if Sanika really shows that maybe he has a lot more pop than you thought he had and is able to 
draw more offense out of a guy like Felino or Howler or especially DeBrus. Um, so I think any of that effort to get to that point, though, where he's realistically considered for one of those spots down the middle, even in the bottom six, is going to have to come this week, right? Because this is his best chance, and he's going to have the best weapons around him, especially to show that he has the potential to, you know, rack up points, which it's one thing if, you know, he struggled last year and we all know that, you know, we're not going to talk too much about him bulking up. We already know the struggles he had last year getting knocked off the puck, but you know, that you could have mapped out, but the fact that also the offensive production led to, I think it was three points in 20 games. Like you need to do better than that to warrant getting in the lineup, especially in a, a you know, a middle six role. Like they kind of hoped he took, he was able to take last year. So, um, I think you look at the opportunity afforded this week. I mean, they've got a lot of reps and a lot of games coming up within this week. You know, it's not like it's you're on, you know, the training wheels for the first few days of practice. I mean, they've got a game on Sunday. I think they've got four total games during this first week. And who knows when exactly Coyle gets back into the mix. I mean, he was, even with a red non-contact jersey, he was out skating today, which is a good sign. So I don't think it's a long-term thing for him. But if Zaniga's given that opportunity and he puts up points in first two, three preseason games and, you know, gets that foundation going. It's only going to help his cause because, again, even though Cassidy mentioned that they already have a, kind of a pretty good idea of where the pieces kind of fall into place, and I wouldn't be surprised if that third line, they're looking at it with the expectation of DeBrus, Kyle, Felino. If Janika pushes for a job and he looks very legit doing it, then it's a good problem to have because, you know, it's almost like if you – if David Krejci just said he was going to come back, all right, well, the plan was to have Charlie Coyle at 2C. We gave him that contract. All right, twist my arm that we're going to push him back to the third line where he's hopefully healthy and can drive play. Like, it's a good problem to have when you move, you know, solid pieces further down the lineup and hopefully they can drive offense from different areas. So if Stanika impresses, it's really going to, you know, help his case. And he, this might be the best chance he has over this next week to really kind of prove his worth in terms of being more than – you know, either a very, very elite AHL talent and a, a fringe NHL contributor. Here's another scenario I think that is a good scenario for the Bruins in all. Obviously, one issue that Sadiq has had in his time here is struggle to find a place in the lineup, kind of like a Bjork, but a way higher ceiling. Yeah. Um. However, I think if he really does push Coil for this job, if it is a real story that Sadiq is pushing for the second line center role. And he does really well in preseason and he's, and he puts up real points and he looks better and he looks good. I think with, with the, with Hala and Felino, with the depth you have in the bottom six, you know, you're not going to get a lot in a trade for Nick Felino. There's no reason to trade him. You're not going to get a lot for Hala. There's no reason to trade him. You can go down the list of guys. You would, if, if you can build up Seneca's stock to, this is a legit top six forward who we do not have room for. You could trade him and get something legitimate in return because the past two years you haven't really been able to because his stock has been low. It's been a guy who every chance he gets, he hasn't really taken, especially after last year. You know, when he was just a prospect, when it was just kind of like we'd never seen him in the NHL, it was like, oh, Stanika, he's the, the, the blue chip prospect in the system. You could have got anything for him. Or you know what I mean? Not anything. McDavid for Stanika for McDavid straight up. Who says no? We'll clip this one as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just walking myself just into into bad places today. But I do think another not best case scenario, but a good scenario is you build his stock up enough to be tradable and to get something legitimate and use him as like a main guy in a package for uh, a top four defenseman if you need it or a top six a, a top six forward if you need it. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to hear what you think. I mean, do you think that that's also in the realm of possibility? Yeah, I think any, you know, scenario in which Stanico improves on last year where he didn't get much of anything is great news for the Bruins. Like you look at in the short term of this year, you know, if he, you know, settles into a role and drives offense from either the second line or the third line, I think the Bruins are doing backflips. I think he look further down the line where you need, you desperately need younger talent down the middle to supplement Patrice Bergeron, you know, not getting any, any younger, like, you know, it's going to be crucial that you need some of these centers to hit. And so whether it's you keep them in the system or who knows, maybe Sadnika pops and the Bruins, you know, view it as, you know, he's could be a good player, but if he's a piece that lets us get Tomas hurdle or something like that, also a very good scenario, right? Like any, any, way you map it out uh, plays into the Bruins' favor if he takes another big step forward in his career because whether it's via trade, via uh, driving play on the bottom six, whether it's making a huge step forward and all of a sudden he's a, a 60-point guy on the second line, any any different scenario there helps out the Bruins in some way. The only way it doesn't help is if, one, his game doesn't improve during preseason and he's relegated to – Again, kind of that no man's land I talked about before where he's a great, you know, top top line, you know, forward in Providence, but it's the NHL and what kind of is he, right? Is he kind of those that fringe player? Is he gonna be a a guy that gets, you know, nine minutes and forty seconds of ice time per game? Like that's the worst case scenario. It's almost like when you're a team that, you know, you either want to go for a championship or you want to completely blow it up. You don't want to be in that that no man's land of, you know, not you know, good enough to maybe maybe make a late season push, but you're also not bad enough that you're going to get a good draft pick. Like you don't want to be in that that gray no man's land area. So that'd be the worst case scenario for the Bruins in terms of what they're expecting out of a guy like Sonico. So you either want the whichever way it works out, where he is able to pop and become a, a legit potential middle six guy, works out for the Bruins in some regard. As long as he produces, you're fine. I also think you mentioned the Tomas Hurdle thing. The sh- I mean. That would be a great place for Sadnika in San Jose when you think about it. I mean, that's a team that is re- that's going to be rebuilding, doesn't have a lot of cap space or not as much as I think they'd like to have given the kind of the bad contracts that team is riddled with. Sadnika's not a bad contract. He's not making a ton. Um, and there's places for him to play on that in that lineup. Um, and if again, this is looking very forward, but let's say you were the Bruins and you need Hurdle. And that's a guy you know you can re-sign and you can have as a top six centerman, whether it's on the first line or the second line, for years to come. A package headlined by Stednika and another prospect or a another draft pick, maybe that saves you a first round pick. That's that's a good that's a good thing to have. That's not bad. So I think that's also another realm. I mean, mainly as you put it best, just produce, just improve. That's all he needs to do. That's all the Bruins need him to do. Whether they want to keep him as a Fill in on the second line, on the second line, on the third line, whatever it is, that's great. But as long as he's producing, um, that's fine. Speaking of people who are producing and speaking of people whose value has gone down in recent years, Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque, Bruce Cassidy opened camp on Wednesday saying that him and DeBrusque had a conversation at the end of last year talking about how they were going to move on and move past this. Um, this is kind of a we'll see it when we'll believe it when we see it type of scenario. I don't think this is something that, you know, we're going to be like, man, DeBrusque is looking incredible in training camp. I think this is going to be like a, you know, his morale's higher. They're speaking better of him, but we will, we will wait to judge just how he'll do until we see him in the first five games of the season. 
Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to Coyle where I think we're all expecting. You look at the different factors playing in you know, his favor when it comes to getting a, a bounce-back season and doing better. And, you know, it's not like DeBrusque, I think, is going to be sandwiched on the second line. I think his, he's most likely going to be entrenched on that third-line left-wing spot. But you look at kind of what is working in his favor. One, he's back at the left wing. Jordan, they should have kept him all along last year. Um, and I think you can't overlook how much, you know, for these guys that are, you know, cooped up in their apartments or, you know, weren't able to do anything on the road, like it takes a toll on these guys, especially a, a guy like DeBrusque who, you know, is always, you know, wants to be out and about and, you know, hanging out and stuff like that. Like that does weigh on guys, especially when, you know, we, we know over, you know, previous years that DeBrusque has struggled in terms of being a very hot and cold player, but it's one thing to, you know, be in a bit of a slump and you can, disconnect and go out and have dinner or just be out on the town and, you know, unplug for the night. And that goes a long way when you're struggling and all you're able to do is kind of just hang in your house by yourself or scroll through social media, not doing yourself any favors, right? No, that's never, that's never been a good idea. (laughs) No, you're scrolling through, you see Craig Sith, even the everyone replying to it. It's not good. You don't want to see that. So delete the app. Yeah, I think whether it's that, whether it's, you know, getting kind of that common ground in a discussion between DeBrusque and Cassidy again, and just getting kind of that clean slate and who knows how he fits with whether that's Howla, whether that is, you know, Sidnika, you know, whether how he plays with a guy like Felino, uh, different cast around him. Like there's factors that are working in DeBrusque's favor that make you hopeful for a bounce back year. And again, I think you have to keep the expectations in check. Is he going to score? 30 goals, you know, especially on the third line. Yes. Bruins would love that. They would love it, but is it going to happen? But if he's, you know, a guy that gets you 15, 20 goals, 40 points, and at the very least just passes the eye test more of playing the the game that we know DeRus can play of, you know, bringing, bringing pucks down low, generating grade eight chances, you know, uh, being effective on the forecheck, being present on the ice, you know, just being noticeable on every shift. That can go a long way just towards making him more of an effective third-line guy. We've seen in years past, almost every team that's gone on a deep run needs everyone pulling in, in the same direction, but especially you need a third line that's very impactful that can take advantage of you know the matchups they're up against, can impact play. Look at Tampa last year, not to not to compare what they had with what the Bruins have, which we don't really know exactly how they all gel, but having DeBrus get back to some sort of level to what he was in years past can go a long way, especially in that third line where Hollow is an intriguing guy, Felino, Stanika. You also need a guy that can finish plays, and DeBrusque is probably your best option there. You know, you can forecheck, you can hold on to the puck, all that. But if you don't have a guy that's bettering chances, it's not going to mean much in the final scoreboard. So I think having DeBrusque back there, hopefully getting a bounce back year, he's he's probably the guy that I look at as being maybe the most intriguing wild card in that. I think that third line, how effective they can be in terms of those baseline stats that at the end of the day of what people all really care about, he's going to be the guy that impacts that the most based on his ability to finish those scoring chances. I can't think of a person who needs to score a goal in the first two games in more than Jake DeBrusque. If Jake DeBrusque can find a way to score a goal in game one or two of the season, I think he's going to be much better off. It proves it's a clean slate. If he opens with like no goals, no points in the first five or six games, stay tuned for another really down year because again he just needs luck on his side he just needs as you said to just be relevant out there and i think with that will come production and things like that but again nothing in training camp is going to make us be like oh jake debrusque is absolutely back this year i think it's it is completely going to be what we will believe it when we see it um 
when the season begins. I don't, it's not even really preseason. I don't really care how he does in preseason. I just want to see him produce during the regular season. That's what I want to most see. Um, or, or at the very least, Russell. or at the very least, just getting back to that eye test of looking engaged and stuff like that. Even if you see that during, during these exhibition games and preseason matchups, just playing back to the, the type of, you know, the, the pace and, and the energy that he usually played with, even he wasn't, you know, impacting the box score, making impact on the ice. If you get that even in the preseason, it's a good step in the right direction. You hopefully he builds that into start scoring some goals with some regularity this year again. Just needs to start out somewhat hot. Um, okay, that is uh, kind of a training camp preview. Training camp's underway, but this will be kind of the training camp preview episode uh, of Poke the Bear. Connor, uh, what can the people look forward to over at PSJ? Yeah, uh, over at PSA, we'll be very busy with all the latest training camp reports. We have notebooks coming up pretty much every single day. We'll start looking at more, uh, you know, potential position battles, guys who could be making a push, as we've mentioned, a bit of a logjam on the roster, but you still have quite a few guys beyond the NHL-level guys like, you know, the Wagners, the Coolmans that are trying to fight for a spot. You've got Laukos and Lyles and even Jesper Froden, these guys that could make a push. So we'll have all Jack breakdowns. There you go, Jack Ashan. So you got all these other guys that can potentially make a push. So we'll look at some of their odds of cracking the NHL roster at the start of the season. So all that will be over at BSA. So subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter for GIFs, for Star Wars, typos, all that fun stuff, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. You can do that. And with me not covering the team as directly this year, there's only one person I'm going to all year for my reporting needs. That's Ty Anderson. No, I appreciate it. It's okay. Don't worry. Um, (laughs) I I have to have the Star Wars typos. I mean, come on. Even though I'm not even a Star Wars guy. Who who else is going to tweet out Sith? Uh, Maybe not. Hey, thank God Vladar's not on the team anymore. You'd be tweeting, you know, Vader is in net. You know, geez, incredible. Calgary's Calgary's already done that tweet like 50 times. It's going to really run out of its welcome. Yes, it, it definitely will. But anyways, uh, that is uh, Poke the Bear episode 62, the Milan Lucic episode. Uh, I am Evan Marinowski. That's Connor Ryan. You Poke the Bear listeners, have an awesome rest of your day.